0: The following presentation is brought to you by the Credal Podcast Network. To learn more or to support our efforts, head to patreon.com/credal. That's patreon.com/c r e C-R-E-E-D-A-L. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Life, the podcast about making movies. Over these next episodes, we are following closely the production of a short film called Double Bondsman. Through interviews with the director, cast members, and production team, I'm bringing you onto the ground floor of filmmaking. This is Episode 3, Writing is Hard.
1: I feel like it's going to fail.
2: You don't feel like it's gonna fail.
1: No, I feel like it's gonna
2: fail. Well, then plan B. I
1: don't really have a plan B.
2: <laughs> Make a movie with less money.
1: Oh man, that would be terrible. Now I have a knot in my stomach.
2: No, stop, don't do that. <laughs> no, excuse me. Stop worrying. Okay.
0: Once the idea for a movie is developed, it's of course time to put pen to paper. But it's not exactly that linear. Ask any writer, especially any screenplay writer, and they'll tell you that there's always an idea before they even pick up the pen, but that that idea gets refined, sometimes scrapped entirely, sometimes revolutionized through the writing process itself. In fact, I'm looking right now at version one, the first draft of the script for Double Bondsman, and I remember reading this when Chandler first worked on it last year. I have to say this first version bears a passing resemblance to the final script, but it's really only just a passing resemblance. It's fair to say that each successive iteration of this script represented a rewrite of its predecessor. So just this little short 15 minute film went through at least five different rewrites of the script. You know, I once heard someone tell a joke about writing that went something like this. What's the difference between writing and running a marathon? And the answer is that one involves all of your effort in a constant grueling battle between your self-doubt and your stamina so that you finish completely exhausted and utterly spent, and the other is just about running for a long time. You probably saw the that punchline coming. Now, I'm not actually claiming that writing a script is harder than a marathon, but I'm also not, not saying that it's harder. Here's Chandler with more on how hard the writing process was.
1: It was super easy, Zach. I mean, just, just flawless. Yeah, just... Uh, I wrote one draft and then that was it. And that was perfect. Um, everyone loved it immediately. Um, my wife did not ever, uh, tell me it was bad. Um, and it was basically, um, just like I had discovered a a gold mine and then I did all the work by myself.
0: You, you would have me fooled except it was, it was almost too smooth. (laughs) You don't quite have me fooled. (laughs) Um,
1: uh, no, I mean, it's pretty much the opposite of all those things. Um, with the, I mean, so the very, very first draft, um, was pretty easy. Like it, it came fairly naturally. Um, and I just mean that, um, I think I had talked about this earlier for a previous episode, but I'd been kind of stuck on a different project. I was trying to write a feature script uh, about a man, um, uh, who owns an ice cream shop. Uh, and I just kind of hit a wall with that one. And so this project was just kind of like midstream with the other one. I decided, um, one weekend, uh, when I I was kind of just deciding to really buckle down and write uh, something I decided to write something different instead of writing the other script. And so this one, the first draft just kind of came fairly naturally. Um, And it was pretty clear to me where the characters were going and who they were and what kind of thing they would do and what kind of thing they wouldn't do. Uh, So that was really what helped uh, the first draft of the script. Um, But there are two kinds of writers that I know of. And, uh, one of them is me and one of them is, is my wife. Um, so we're both writers. I tend to be really, um, I prefer to just be quick at the beginning. I just want to get stuff out and I kind of don't really care if it's perfect. You know, I just need to get some ideas out on the page and I'll clean them up later. Um, and you know, I'm just trying to like be, productive and just get things done, um, and have a completed draft to really examine. Um, whereas my wife is much more the other way where she, like her draft that she finishes is, is like really solid already. Um, because she tends to take more time on it. Um, and so by the time she gets to like a completed draft, um, it's, it's already in pretty good shape. So the challenge for me is I have to recognize after I finish that first draft. Oftentimes I'm like, oh hey, that was pretty good. You know, this script is great. I don't need to do all that much to it. (laughs) And so then I have to um, have someone uh, like like my wife uh, come in and kind of smack me a bit and say, no, this isn't this. You know, this this needs some work.
0: Yeah. So, well, sticking on that point, so one of the conversations you had with Lara was one in which she said she didn't like the dad stuff at the end. And this was an early version of the script where you had worked in a little bit more of the sort of interpersonal background story between the twins and their father. And this is something that you had done to, I think, inject like an element of sobriety into the script and also provide some depth to their sort of origin story and she just said i didn't like it it was it was like too much too late
2: yeah i think i think i think the the first ending seemed to like resolve some things super easily and kind of yeah cheesily yeah and so i wasn't a fan of that
1: what do you think about the the call to his dad
2: oh i don't like that
1: you don't like that No. not at all i
2: don't think you should bring the dad into it really i think it like opened up a whole new can of worms at the end that was one of my comments that i was like uh I don't know. I don't think so. Because it's like it's like completely out of the blue. And doesn't really add. I don't think it adds much. Like maybe, like I think you 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 brought in the dad because you you wanted to add some sort of element of like they want to do this because their dad was a judge and like they want to be involved in justice and blah blah blah. Which is fine, but I think that you can slip that in there without making a whole big thing about like. We're going to, oh, there's going to, they're going to, all of a sudden there's a dad and we're going to call the dad. What do you mean all
1: of a sudden there's a dad? They've always had a dad.
2: Yeah, but it was never mentioned. Like, he was never, never been part of the story until the very end. Okay. I just, I think it's distracting and doesn't add much.
1: Okay. That's an interesting perspective.
2: <laughs> What's that supposed to mean?
1: means I disagree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How was that feedback to hear? Because that sounded like it was not what you wanted to hear. I think you felt very differently at the time. Or was there another piece of feedback that was even harder? Um, I think that was definitely one of the harder moments. I
1: think that, uh, yeah, I I had wanted to, like ultimately I want, and I hope this comes through in the film, but I want there to be, um, a, a bit of seriousness that comes through, even though the film is overall fairly goofy and um, even kind of um, at some of the more serious moments is still, is still kind of goofy. Um, but I wanted there to be at least something um, towards the end of the film that really um, kind of deflated their dream even more and just really kind of revealed um, how far they were how, how far they are from even, uh, coming close to achieving their dream. Um, so that kind of like, um, bit about, uh, you know, trying to like call their dad or whatever that, that was just like the, the most kind of authentic and, and honest, um, that I could imagine them being, um, and it made sense for the context of the the story where it fits, but, I do think that probably if we had kept it in, it would have been something that would have wound up uh, getting cut anyway. Um, and I totally understand, like, it's, it comes in too late. It's not really set up at the beginning. I get that. It is something that in the feature version, I would be pretty interested to circle back on that idea.
0: Yeah, well, in the film, for in the feature film version, you'd have a lot more time to do that. I think one of Lara's points, which I tend to agree with, especially now having seen what's almost the final cut, is you just didn't have time to to give that full backstory to go into that level of depth in a fourteen minute film. Yeah, right, right, and and that's fine, you know, and that's great. Now, in general, do you find yourself to be pretty good at receiving feedback? And how did you make sure you received more feedback from other people, not just Lara, in this instance?
1: Yeah. So I hear feedback all the time. Um, And so on, uh, you know, um, basically on projects that are for someone else. So a a project uh, for uh, say a client or, you know, just a a project at at my work or anything like that, Um, that kind of project, I'm I'm pretty comfortable just taking whatever feedback. But when it's a passion project, when it's something that I've really um, kind of invested in and I have kind of originated the idea or or at least you know i'm kind of like putting my soul into it a little bit i actually assembled a uh, a brain trust of friends um and just people who i thought had good taste um and we got together um maybe like three different times throughout the writing process um three or four maybe um and i you know i just i'd send them the script in advance and then they would come with just all their thoughts and things they didn't like, you know, things they liked, uh, stuff that, um, you know, sometimes they had an idea that, that maybe I would, I would consider we'd talk about. Um, and so that was extremely helpful.
0: Here's a brief excerpt of one of those brain trust sessions. All right. So
1: this is a script meeting with Laura, Josh Sleithauser, and Dylan Straley. Is a script meeting? I thought it was a roast. <laughs> this, kind of this Chandler guy thinks he can pull off hats. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd invite you to my roast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if that's the heat you're bringing. I don't know. You know what? No, uh, how do we? How do you want to go about this, um, Chandler? <throat> what's the plan? What's the sitch? Well, <clears throat> I don't know. Do you guys want to read it or do you just want to jump in? I mean, I've, I've got. Particular
0: sections that I, I personally want to go over. At, uh, I guess for the sake of time, uh, we could just move. Sure. Why don't part by part? Yeah. Why don't we just kind I think, of? Let's
1: just go through. Well, it. I mean, we've, we've already read it. multiple we're all drafts. familiar with it at this point. All right. So, um, opening scene. Yes.
0: So I I just wanted. I don't necessarily know. I just what your explanation on this. Uh-huh. I don't know if I might not be in the right here, um, but my thought process is, if Brett is currently talking to the detective, yeah, this the line the police yeah. they may tell you different uh-huh. implies that he's talking to the audience and uh-huh. not to a detective, um, which is fine. But at the, at the same point, this this is you know overtly supposed to be uh, works both ways kind of a thing. Um, right. So that 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 was that, a red flag to me. Yep. Yeah, so I, I don't know necessarily mm-hmm. It's at the start of the script. I don't think it's a, it's something that's gonna be heavily noticed if it does happen But I for me personally it came across as a little bit of a, a discrepancy
1: is, it a point? is he still talking to the Detective in this draft because mm-hmm. I I'd yes. assumed kind of based off of that that it was. Yeah, I mean kind, kind of I, I guess Maybe the reason why uh, it, it seems a little unclear right at this point is because I've gone back and forth. In between And, the yeah. and so um, that's something that I hadn't quite like, landed solidly on one mm-hmm. side or the other. Mm-hmm. I think when I started writing the script, uh, this draft of it, um, I was like, no, you're just talking to the audience. And by the time I got back there, I was like, well, but it works so well that now transition
0: into this. Yeah, I mean, so after all this feedback, Chandler, by the time you reach version five, would you say that you were ready to be done with it? You know, and, and I mean that in one of two ways, right? You could just be like, OK, I'm I'm like sick of revisions. Like, let's just get this thing shot and figure it out. Um, or you're like, OK, this this now is perfect. I think this is as good as a script, a, a, as good a script as we're going to have. I don't think we can make any more improvements. Let's go ahead with it. Or did you still have lingering doubts about it? Even at that point,
1: I did not have any lingering doubts. Um, it's not to say I thought the script was flawless, but it's just that sense that it's it's ready you know it's it's not so much that the script is done but it's ready. Um, it's ready to kind of meet the world and to exist you know with actors in a in a space um, and and one of the reasons that I knew that it was ready is because I had done that brain trust with those with those people and we had talked about it so much and so I just really was confident that every inch of the script, um, was there for a reason. And I knew what that reason was. And I thought it was a good reason and we had discussed it and we had discussed alternatives. And so it just, it, it was just very well considered, you know? And so that's, that's to me how I knew that it was ready. Cause it was like, okay, there's nothing like we haven't left a stone unturned. And probably if we had sat on it for another six months, we probably could have improved some, some bits here and there. But, um, in the end, you know, I, I just felt like, yeah, this, like, we've done the due diligence, we put in the time and, uh, and now it's, you know, it's ready. It's, 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 it's kind of like, it's fitting that we just move on at this point.
0: Now, this is leaping ahead a little bit to when we'll talk about casting in a couple of episodes, but when you're doing the casting, listening from, you know, listening or watching various audition tapes and selecting the people that you want to be in your film. Do you then, is it an iterative process where you go back to the script and sort of rewrite certain segments of the script to better fit the people that you have casted in those roles? Well,
1: that's an interesting question because on these, with these actors in particular, um, the twins, um, first of all, they fit the characters so well from, you know, from the get go. So it wasn't like, we had to kind of rethink how the characters would interact with each other um, because that's just what um, Jake and Josh were already doing. But rather it was like we had cast them, uh, I think at around like the halfway point, roughly when, I don't know, we were maybe in like version 3.2 or something like that um, of the script. And so um, they were in my head as I was writing the last Um, you know, a couple of major revisions and all of the kind of little tweaks that we were doing along the way. So, um, uh, so overall it didn't change anything dramatically. Um, but it was just helpful to like, know that, Oh, these are the guys that are going to be saying these words. Um, and it was also the confidence that
0: they were going to do, they were going to do it right. That totally makes sense. Um, and this is not related to what you just said, but it's something that I keep forgetting I've been wanting to ask you uh, just from a fundamental standpoint, like how to write a script. Do you write your scripts in Microsoft word or do you use a script writing software that is purpose built and you can you know, plug in the various characters and, and block the shots and do the scenes and all of that in a, in a dedicated software?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad you asked this question. I'm going to talk more, not than just on the software, because I was just thinking like, I just want to talk more about the writing process. Cause I absolutely love talking about the writing process. Um, okay. So I write in a software called writer duet. Um, and the reason that I like writer duet is because it is basically the Google docs of screenwriting. Um, so uh, it, it handles all of the screenplay formatting for you, which is extremely handy. Um, and on top of that, uh, it also, you can just like add people to the project. Um, so I added, I think all of the members of the brain trust to the script project so they could see the drafts as I was working on them and then they could like attach notes, you know? Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I mean, it, technology is only as useful as, um, as it's only useful if it's implemented well. And so, I mean, not everyone was like in there all the time, kind of like annotating and commenting on stuff, but it was helpful, I think, just to be able to have that, um, and share it with people. Um, and, uh, and especially with Josh, you know, uh, producer Josh, um, because, uh, you know, I would finish a draft and he would always be the first person, um, that I would send it to. And so he could just open it up right away and kind of make notes and that kind of stuff. So that, that was very handy. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's all browser based. It's just very kind of clean and simple and it's also, uh, pretty affordable. So anyway, I like it, but just kind of more generally about the writing process. So I, um, like I said, I, I tend to try to just get through a first draft pretty quickly. And then, um, after that, anytime that I have a major revision and, and I kind of qualify a major revision as anytime I'm like rewriting a whole scene, if I'm just tweaking a couple of things here and there, then I just call it like draft 1.1 or draft 1.2. But if I'm redoing the whole script, um, then I actually start with a blank page and go through and retype everything. Um, and like have the other previous drafts like sitting on my desk with a bunch of markups on it that i'm referencing um and that way now i'm kind of forced to confront every word that i put on the page um so that um like every line i have to think about again because otherwise it can be really easy to just kind of like let stuff sit in there that maybe no one at the table during um the brain trust wanted to bring up cuz it you know it was just kind of like a mediocre line it wasn't a bad line so nobody like spoke up about it but it's not something that you want in the final movie right so um just having to confront every line like that i think is was helpful because then sometimes um as you're just in the flow of it and you're actually kind of like reimagining every scene now you've got fresh ideas that are coming as you're writing so that's, that's something I learned in college, um, and I found it to be really helpful.
0: Is that something that someone taught you, or you just figured out figured out for yourself that you work better when you do that?
1: That was what my freshman uh, like great books, English literature teacher, um, made us do. In fact, he made us do our first drafts by hand. Um, and so then after the first draft, we could type it. Um, and... So I just kind of got in that habit, not that I write everything out by hand at first, but just, I liked that idea of having to retype the whole thing, um, every time. And he got that because, you know, he grew up, um, writing papers on typewriters. Uh, so, you know, naturally you have to retype it if you're going to make revisions. Right. Um, But (laughs) but I I thought it was kind of a neat uh, process that I
0: liked and I decided to keep going. I, you know, keep it, keep it alive. Well Chandler we've covered a lot of ground but I haven't asked you who were some of your creative influences in the writing process and also is this a process that you want to do again now that you have it in the rearview mirror
1: I mean basically I just uh, it's it's just uh, I a have, I haven't written anything since I finished Double Bondsman so that's it's been like I don't know 8 months or something like that but now I'm kind of itching to get back in and write stuff but I mean uh, I, yeah, this project in particular was challenging to write because it's a comedy and, um, this was, this is my first, uh, comedy that I've made. Um, and so I, I really needed to kind of rethink how I was going to approach the story, um, and how I was going to approach the characters, um, and what I landed on. I listened to um, just an absolutely fantastic interview by a hilarious comic writer named Harrison Scott key. Um, and, uh, wrote a book called the world's largest man, um, which is about his father. And then he wrote the sequel to that book called, um, congratulations. Who are you again? Uh, which is his, his book about writing the first book. Um, <laughs> so, um, anyway, he's a, he's a hilarious guy, but his, his kind of the MO, the way he uh, tries to operate is. Um, that, um, when like he, he always wants to make fun of stuff that he's a part of. Um, he always wants, like, he always thinks it's funnier if you can like, in his case, make, make fun of where you're from and the family that you grew up in and yourself. Um, and so as I was writing double bondsman, I wanted to just keep in, I just wanted to have that attitude of like. I don't want the comedy to arise out of, um, like these, these people just kind of like making a joke and intentionally making a joke. I wanted the comedy to arise out of like who they are and the people that they are and try as much as possible to, um, like I, I, I have a hard time describing it, but, um, you know, I'm not them, but like see myself in, in them as much as possible and kind of like make fun of, us. Um, and also just have fun with like the banter and, and the kind of twin dynamic in that relationship. That was just a lot of fun for me. Um, and so I don't know, you know, we'll we'll see when I get a room full of people together to watch it, um, when it's all finished and we'll see if, if they all laugh. But, um, but so far at least several people have said it's funny. So, (laughs)
0: So there it is. Writing is, in fact, hard. And we'll see very soon if the writing in this case paid off. You can find out for yourself or decide for yourself if you think it's as funny as Chandler hoped it would be. For my money, I've seen it. I think it's pretty darn funny. In next week's episode, we're going to go back to the Kickstarter process. We heard last week about how the Kickstarter was begun and how Chandler and his team had to do a lot of the initial planning for it. Next week, we'll hear all about how it ended up, and I'll give you a little spoiler in the episode title. It's episode four, Fully Funded. For comments, questions, or feedback on this episode, send a note to reallife at credopodcast.com. That's life at C-R-E-E-D-A-L podcast.com. I'll see you next week for episode four, Fully Funded.